I ran down that street and I bet I saw at least a hundred people that, that are good friends uh, that weren't on my crew, that were just there for somebody else or spectating or whatever. And that's really special. And then I don't know if I'll ever get a finish line photo as cool or as, as memorable and special as, as the one of me and Kaya crossing the finish line together. So that's something I'll never forget. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that so many people caught, I had two or three people send me videos of that. Um, and then I had some pretty iconic photos too. And it, it's always great to run a race and have a really cool photo, but those were just, they, they hit different, you know, for obvious reasons. And, and that was, that was really special. I'll always cherish that. And it's going to be really cool when Kaya grows up to, to be like, Hey, you don't remember this, but this is pretty special for me. <laughs> Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 91 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I love my crew. I love this community. And I've never been more satisfied crossing a finish line than I was holding my daughter on Saturday night at Placer High. Love you all. God is good. Adam Kimball. Adam's a high-energy, super-positive, professional ultra-runner, motivational speaker, and running coach who is so easy to root for. His joy for running is infectious, whether on the course at Western States, interacting with volunteers at aid stations, his beloved crew, or fellow runners. Adam has a big appetite for adventure and chasing down big goals with his MVP crew in the support of his brands, Hoka, Buff USA, Running Rabbit, Coros Global, and Tahoe Mountain Realty. Adam's run across the USA, 60 days, 2,500 miles. He's run the fastest known time on the 171-mile Tahoe Rim Trail with 28,000 feet of climbing in 37 hours, 12 minutes, and 15 seconds, beating the legend Killian Jornet's record. But he'll be hard-pressed to surpass the iconic moment of him crossing the finish line in 17 hours, 28 minutes, and 33 seconds with his beautiful daughter, Kaya, in his arms. We discuss the huge impact of the Western States live stream provided by Bill Yang, Dylan Bowman, and Corinne Malcolm. 2018 versus 2022 Western States learnings, the on-course feels, and the finish of a lifetime. The power of team how they push and pull him through his darkest and brightest moments. Gratitude for his amazing NASCAR-like crew, his brands, and the sport of ultra. The Tahoe Rim Trail FKT, lessons learned and applied from a first failed attempt to smash the record and share with the local community. Run across the USA started off to try and break a record, falling well short, finishing the job, but learning and inspiring so many more. Community the Tahoe Rim Trail Association, crewing, pacing, coaching, and giving back. Greatly appreciate Adam bringing the fire, and I'm stoked to follow his upcoming adventures. I hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did, so let's dive on in and take a listen. Kimball, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? I'm doing good, Ron. Thanks for having me on, man. It's great to be here. Oh, man, it's good to have you. You're having some uh, some new home setup tech issues, man. You're you're all settled in out there in, uh, you know, at Lake Tahoe and into a new home, right? Congrats, right? It's a big, big thing for you guys. A new family moving in and you're just basically getting settled in, right? 
Exactly, man. Yeah, we just moved from Tahoe City on the west shore of the lake to Truckee, which is a little bit off of the lake, but kind of the main city in, in Tahoe where the most the majority of the people live. So yeah, just bought our first home. We're so stoked. We're not even fully moved in yet. We still have our rental in Tahoe City and we're we're probably 80% done, but I'm excited to be most of the way there. And I'm, uh, this is the first uh, the first of any interview or anything that I've done in a new place. So this is a nice way to break it in. I'm glad you're you're here with me. Love it, man. We're, we're doing, this is the beta test. It's the beta test of the new home for sure. And <laughs> That's uh, right. let's see if I can get your daughter's name. Is, do we, is it Kaya? Is that how we say it? Kaya. Kaya. Yep. So she's like nine months old. So, you know, brand, yep. brand new. The, the shot of you coming across the Western States finish line with her is iconic. I mean, that is just amazing because I heard you, uh, you were on with Jonathan for the long run. I told you I was listening this morning before he popped on and, you know, that's not normal for her to be up at that time. Probably it's a little past her <laughs> bedtime. So that had to be a nice yeah. surprise for you, man, when you're rolling in and coming up on the finish line that your daughter was there and you got to, uh, to put her in your arms and go across that line, man. What was that like? Dude, that was my all time favorite finish line experience. I mean, I, I hadn't actually communicated to my wife that I was hoping that my daughter would be there awake. I was just in my head hoping it was going to happen. I never said anything about it. And then, yeah, I, I get in there and, uh, and she's kind of, she sees me before I get close to the finish. And she's like, do you want Kaya with you? I was like, absolutely. So she comes, runs about 200 feet from the finish line, hands her off to me. And at Western States, if you're not familiar, you finish by doing about 300 meters on a track, you kind of pop onto the track and and circle around uh, and cover most of it and across the finish line. So I had her for about 200 feet. It's kind of funny. I started running with her, you know, kind of jogging and I'm sort of jostling her as, as I'm running. And then she, she started to cry. And so I was like, then I stopped and then walked the rest of the way. And then she was really happy just looking around at all the people. So it was, it was, it was epic, man. Something I'll never forget. I mean, totally amazing. And the thing is, the photographers that are out there are like the absolute best of the best. I mean, literally, you cannot have better, more talented people operating that gear. You know, you got like Howie Stern and all these people that we know in our sport who are just, they, they're the best at what they do. And then you have the greatest backdrops in the world. You know, you're running at Western and, you know, you're coming up, coming up the hills in the sunsets coming up and, and they're photographing these epic shots all day, you know, as the conditions are changing so much or, or even say like at UTMB. So it's the greatest sport to photograph anyway. And then here you get to have this iconic moment. And then we were talking before we came on about the coverage, man, the whole live stream event, you know, that, you know, Bill Yang and, and Corinne and Dylan have put together like the last two years now. And just having that live stream coverage of the race from end to end is, it's amazing. You basically feel like you're there. I mean, you're getting updates and they're doing interviews all day. And, um, and I think I remember you actually were on the show with them last year, right? Didn't they do a spot with you? Cause you're sponsored by Buff, right? Correct. Yeah. So Buff, Buff was the reason I ran the race this year. I got their sponsored entry into Western States, which was uh, a huge blessing for me. I was super grateful for that. But yeah, the year before I was at the finish line at Placer High School in Auburn, talking to Dylan and Corinne, doing a little spot, uh, you know, just chatting about the race and and, uh, and talking a little bit about Buff. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. The, the coverage is just incredible. C kind of back to what you said before. It, it's amazing. Like after the race, I felt like a, a kid on Christmas morning because I was having all of these um, like top level, amazing photographers that I didn't even know were messaging me on Instagram and just sending me these super high quality shots from the race. And I mean, it was like th that happened. To, I mean, there was like the photographers that I knew, some of them were sending me stuff, but then there was like five or six others that were out there and they were like, Hey, uh, if you want to use these, go ahead. And I'm just like, 
it was just incredible. So the media coverage from the, from Dylan and Corinne doing their thing, you know, for basically all like over 20 hours. And then uh, Sally and Billy taking over after that to the photographers on the course. I mean, it's like, it's, it's next level stuff. And to me, it's just really exciting because if you're really, if, like, if you love this, if you live and breathe the sport, and even if you don't, um, you know, I had so many people that were, that were following along with my run and telling me like, they, they know nothing about ultras. They don't, they're not runners themselves, but they tuned into like hours of the live stream coverage. And how awesome is that, man? I mean, I just, it's so good for the sport. It's, you couldn't have said it better. Um, because, uh, before we came on again, you know, as somebody who's just a running junkie and, you know, for 30 years of my life, you know, uh, we were both college baseball players. So it's a common thing that we shared, you know, doing team sports. And that was our sport, you know, growing up, you know, all the way through college. Um, but then, you know, getting into running later in life as you did, you know, in my 30s and now at 61, you know, watching New York City or Boston, you know, we kind of have some idea of who's going to win. You know, certainly races can change and, you know, dramatic things can occur. But for the most part, Kipchoge wins all the majors, <laughs> or all the Olympic medals, and everyone else doesn't. And, you know, obviously the women are just killing it, you know, and not only in, in marathoning, but in ultra as well, just at every level, at master's level, at ultra, at longer distances, at Cocodona, 200, 200 plus races. So it's just remarkable to see the growth in our sport and what's going on. But, uh, you know, just Western for a guy who's never been there in his life and never done that race and, and most likely probably never will, although I will never say never, it doesn't mean that I couldn't do it. I'm capable of doing it to see and be part of that experience visually and be able to tap into it. It's amazing. And kudos to them for what they've done in just two short years. You've got to wonder like how much more, you know, they can build upon it. Cause there are really uh, major challenges they have to overcome. I mean, there's basically no cell service in huge chunks of where you guys are running. I mean, you're running through, I mean, this is your backyard, right? I mean, this is, this is like literally where you live. So you live right by the start more or less, right? Yeah. About 15 minutes from the start in Tau city right there on the West shore. And yeah, it's, I mean, you can, I mean, even in, in actual Tahoe city, like the town, there's areas where the, the cell coverage is pretty poor, you know? So much less once you get out into the wilderness and like, you know, are basically in the woods, but, but yeah, lots of, lots of things to overcome. But again, like the, the ability to put out a quality product like that with all of those uh, obstacles to overcome is just incredible. And, and again, I, I think, I just think like, in trail running and ultra running as a whole, I, it makes me so excited to see this kind of thing. Cause even the week before Western States broken arrow sky race, which is, uh, another, there's an ultra there, but actually the coverage that they do is for the sub ultra events. So they have a vertical kilometer, uh, that that's on a Friday and then Sunday at 26 K and the coverage for that, they've been live streaming that for the last two years. And that's incredible too. It's like, uh, if you're like, if you love racing and you love, uh, just races of any kind, it's like, it's so intriguing and, and great to follow along with. And it, I just like, to me, it makes me excited about the possibility of other races getting covered that way. You know, it's like, like you said, the, the marathon majors, like the, those are the, the, like, you're going to get the coverage for those because you know, they're marathon majors, but like, it'd be great to get coverage of other big events that, that are iconic in the sport. Like you mentioned the JFK 50. That's, that's another, another, like, you know, something that's got so much history. It's like those kind of races, I would, I would tune into those in a heartbeat, you know? And I think a lot of other people would too. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. And I think, um, as Dylan and Billy and Corinne, 
you know, continue to develop and enhance like production value. And, you know, God knows how much work Billy is doing on the back end, you know, with pre-production stuff and planning and, and really thinking about this stuff. Because, I mean, look, some of the films that he's done on, you know, 100 miles in a day and Western and following elite runners around. I mean, these are those are the kind of things you could watch like 50 times. I mean, they get better the more times you watch them. So um, you couldn't have said it better. JFK 50, that should be, it should be covered. It's it's a great race to cover because really you're only on the AT, you know, for that 13 to 15 miles, whatever it really comes out to. It's really not even because you're running up the hill in town before you dump onto the AT. And, you know, then after that, it's it's on that, you know, on the canal and the CNO for a long, long stretch until you get back to the roads. It'd be a great race to cover. And, you know, I know my man, Mike Spindler, would be super stoked about it. So I don't know, man, I might have to tap you on the arm and have you meet me down there. I mean, we could we could easily do some pre and uh, post-race stuff and do some live shows down there because Mike would help set it up. And he's just so embedded in the community there and has been for such a long time, not only as a as a two-time champion and former course record holder, but also, you know, being the race director and, you know, taking the reins there, you know, so many years ago. Totally. And yeah, Ron, you know, I, like as a baseball guy, I've always... I've always been into the, you know, the phrase inside baseball. I've always been into the like behind the scenes details of stuff uh, when it comes to sport. And I'm very much that way with, uh, with running. I'm like, I'm just a fan of the sport. And so while I do it professionally, I love to, to watch it and to be invested in it. My wife sometimes uh, jokingly makes fun of the fact that, you know, I, I just, I know a lot of details about races that have happened in the past, you know, and I, and I think like that kind of knowledge can be good towards, providing coverage and, and behind the scenes stuff for, for those sort of things. So I'm, I'm way into that. And I, I think there's, like you said, the sky's kind of the limit, obviously resources are a big part of it. Not every race has the the money because it's, you know, you, like there's a lot of great volunteers and people that will do stuff, but also at the end of the day, when it comes to stuff like that, you need to be able to pay for things. Um, so I understand that aspect of it too. Not everybody's got deep pockets, especially, you know, smaller races and stuff, but, but I just think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Again, I think it's uh, it's kind of like a, it's just getting started, if you will, really. I mean, um, Western, it's two years now. Also, and I know you know this because you're Hoka-sponsored, um, when Wamsley and the other athletes went after the 100K record, I thought that was one of the best recorded live events that I've ever seen. I, I Maybe I even enjoyed that more than the Western coverage because – you know, I'm just such a big Wamsley fan and he was so close the whole day. I mean, literally yeah. down to, you know, the last hundred, 200 yards, I was screaming at the top of my fucking, my head was going to come off. I mean, my voice might've been gone for a few days because I wanted him to get it so badly. Didn't that, didn't that track seem like it was never going to end at the Correct. end? You're like, he's right. He's right by the finish. No, <laughs> yeah. wait, why is it? Wait, no, he's still, you know, I'm watching it like, oh, he's right there. There's a finish. No, no, he's still going. You know? Exactly. I remember he crashed into that chain link fence and he was like bleeding. Yeah, I mean, Gosh, yeah. yeah, the dude's a warrior, man. He's like, he's just he totally is. awesome. But, you know, so again, going back to it, like these, I think this is where we're headed. And I think it's great because it is that insider knowledge. And I think that's what Corinne and Dylan definitely bring to the sport is that they know the statistics, not only on just who's maybe potentially going to gun for top 10 on that day, but they know somebody out there you know, who's running with cancer and, you know, maybe is trying to just make the cutoff. They know enough information about each runner 
to be able to bring something contextually up during that conversation. And it adds real value. And, you know, it brings more people into the sport because if you watch that feed of Western states and you don't consider wanting to run a trail race or an ultra, man, I'm like, I don't know if we could really be friends yeah. after that, man. Because <laughs> You got something wrong with you, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man, the juices are flowing. It's like, you know, I've already done a long run for the day. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go out and do another 20. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like I would do another 20, Adam, if I could actually watch what was going on and have the feed yeah. and then... I I want to know, okay, where's Adam at? See, I'm, I'm thinking like we need NASCAR technology too. Like I need to be like, I need to, I need to talk to Adam's pit crew. Where is he at right now? Okay. That's where the future's really going. You know, like, yeah, okay, where's Walmsley yeah. at right now? Okay. He's coming out of here and we're going to have a camera over there. And, you know, it just be, you know, just great to be able to get those specific things. And if, if sponsors, you know, it always comes back to money at the end of the day, but, and Hulk has been huge with stepping forward UTMB and other big races and getting behind uh, sponsorship. And I think um, Puma has done some huge, huge dollars recently with women, particularly in the marathoning side, but also signing a 200 meter runner to a massive deal. So they're, they're putting some major dough into the sport and really, what it, besides that, signing the athletes and putting the money in, you need the, the race-level sponsorship, to your point. You know, you need somebody to come up and say for a JFK 50, hey, we're not only going to give you way more prize money, but we want to do something interesting because that's going to bring more people in. It's going to get more people to sign up. It's going to get more elites to come down there and run that race because, man, some serious folks have gone down there and taken that course down, you know, in the day, including Camille Heron and many, many others. Wamsley's run it in the day. I mean, all, all of these guys have run it. So um, that's what we need. We need a little bit more of for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Cool. So this was your second Western, right? Not your first, right? Correct. I ran in 2018 as well. 2018. So, and was that your first, that was your, so 2018 was your first. Yes. And what was comparing, you know, 2018 to this year, you know, what was it like? I mean, obviously the first time we ever do anything is going to, going to be different, but what was it like, you know, from 2018 compared to this year's experience? Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of things that, that I think are similar. It's like, once you're familiar with the course, then it becomes about just kind of executing and doing the right things throughout the day. It's such a hot race. So managing the heat, keeping yourself cool, fueling and doing everything that you can when, you know, your body's under duress and, and you're dealing with such extreme conditions. So like a lot of those things, I kind of just like tuned in and locked right into that same mentality from, from four years ago. But then there's just like, anytime, anytime you have a race like this, there's always so much fanfare. I think like that was a big part of it. We, we just got done talking about all the media side of it. Um, I had, uh, I had a crew that was with me, um, from buff. That's actually putting out a short film about myself and Tessa Chesser, who is another buff athlete who ran the race as well. And, uh, so just like having those guys around, seeing them at aid stations, taking footage, you know, um, just having the, the coverage in general from the live stream in 2018, we didn't have the live stream coverage. Uh, so I, you know, I think like, Again, it's all good stuff, I, but I think just the the amount of involvement from a media side was probably the biggest difference, to be honest. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, just the field just continues to get deeper and deeper. It's like the, the competition from from an elite standpoint. It's like you're, you know, I'm like I'm confident in myself, and and I I believe that I can compete with the best. And there's just at a race like that, it's like everybody, like almost everybody that's, that's in that category is there, you know? And, uh, and that's exciting. It's, it's exciting, but it's also tough because you've got a lot of great athletes to compete against. Yeah. The depth is unbelievable. 
Um, you know, and it's it's been you know everybody uses the the expression like Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl of Ultra and stuff. But you know, I don't I don't know what the right way to phrase it is because really it's Western and it's UTMB and really nothing else. There are amazing other races that are incredible, Hard Rock and all these other great races that have Leadville. Just there's just so many great races in the sport, but. There's UTMB and there's Western States. I mean, <laughs> exactly. let's just call it what it is. And yeah. trust me, um, UTMB will always be more international by nature. Um, and we, if the American men haven't had a breakthrough there yet. And, you know, I think it's just so cool that Wamsley's decided to just like go over there um, and decided like he wants to try to change that. And I think that's just what makes the guy, you just, how can you not root for that guy? Just because of, you know, taking that kind of approach and just saying, hey, man, I'm going over here, man. I'm going to try to change this. I mean, he, yeah, you got to admire. I mean, Jim is a, he's, you know, an athlete of a generation, like a generational talent. And he also puts in the work too. It's not just the talent. He, he really puts in the work. I actually, uh, he was in Tahoe, him and his now wife, uh, Jess were in Tahoe in like December. And I went and grabbed a beer with them and we just kind of caught up for a little bit. And, uh, this was actually before Jim, like told everybody that he was, that they were going to be moving to, uh, to France. Um, but he told me there that he was going to do that. And I was like, you know what? It, it took him a little bit of time to dial in the, the Western States course. Actually, he would have, he would have stuck the landing on the first one if he didn't make the logistical error, but, um, it took him a little bit of time. And now, you know, I, I was talking to him about Western States and he's like, he's like, you know, I just, I know what to do on that course. I know where to make certain decisions and how to execute. And I don't, I just don't, I think he ha doesn't have that for UTMB. He doesn't know how to handle the conditions at night when it gets a lot colder and his body temperature is changing. So he's moving over there to figure that out. And once he gets it dialed in, it's going to happen for him. I mean, he's too, he's too big of a talent to not win that race. Yeah, I think you you nailed it for sure. But you know, go, you know, jumping back to you, you know, comparing you know your your two opportunities over there. So your crew, I mean, it's you basically kind of have the same crew, right? I mean, you have the same core group of people. And you know, for people that listen to my show that are definitely more marathon focused, sure, some some of them have stepped in and taken on some trail races, and maybe they haven't gone you know above fifty k or whatever. But that doesn't matter if you've done a trail race, you've done an ultra, like cool. I mean, to to want to go longer is where the whole team aspect comes into play and the community aspect comes into play even more. Um, and I think that's what drew me in uh, to the sport because after a while, I mean, you know, I've run 10 New Yorks, I've run 10 Bostons. I mean, you know, I've, I don't know, 60 some odd marathons that I've run and they're still awesome. They still get my juices going. They'll still get the heart pumping, but it's just such a different experience, you know? So for, for my audience that maybe isn't into it as much, like, like it's literally like a NASCAR event, you know, as you're <laughs> rolling through. So tell them like how different it is and like, how did you put your team together? Like, how did that come to be, you know, once you started to have some success in the sport and, you know, continue to grow? Yeah, you're right. It is like, in fact, it's so much like a NASCAR event that one of my friends was taking a video of me and my crew at Forest Hill, which is the 100K mark of the Western States course. And he literally, he's filming the video. And as he is sitting there watching, he said to somebody else next to him, he's like, this looks like a NASCAR event right now. He said that on the video. So there's, so yeah, it, I mean, it, it was, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm always so taken back and, and just humbled by the amount of people that when you're preparing for such an iconic race like this, that want to help. And, and I, I always do my best to, to take that help. Usually it ends up being in the form of, Hey, come out on the course and and wave hello and, you know, do that kind of thing. Because ultimately 
Um, you kind of, like you said, I have my core uh, group of people. I have my wife, Karen, my friends, Josh and Kara and Steve, who like that, the, that team right there collectively has crewed me at more races than I can count. Um, and so they just, they always work together. They know exactly what to do. They love to do it. Like crewing is something they truly enjoy. It's not just like they want to help a friend. It's that they want to help a friend and they have fun doing it, which is, you know, it's perfect. And, and we really share in, in everything together. It's, you know, as you were saying that it's like thinking about, uh, the marathons that I've run, there's, there's all, there's the community aspect of like all the volunteers and everyone that's a part of it, the, the spectators, but really you're putting one foot in front of the other and from start line to finish line. And that's pretty much it at a hundred mile race. It's so much more than that. The crew is doing so much more to keep you on track and, and help you achieve the goal. Um, whether it's, you know, uh, changing your shoes and socks, giving you food, pouring ice down your neck, uh, you know, grabbing, spraying you with sunscreen, like all these different things that are all happening simultaneously. It's, it's amazing when you think about the sacrifices that they have to make. Um, and it's something that, that takes time to learn. You know, I think, um, there, it, it can be a tough learning curve if you've never crewed somebody at a race like that before, especially if they're, um, if it's somebody that's taking it more relaxed, it might be a little bit different. You know, like if you're, um, if you're shooting for, for finishing, you know, toward the back of the pack, there might not be as big of a sense of urgency, but if you're, you know, helping an elite there's, it's like seconds are, are, are you know, are important and really count. And so you're doing everything you can. And I think sometimes I've been in situations where I've seen people be caught off guard by how fast paced it is. Um, and, and they'll show up thinking like, Oh, what do you like? Like, it's going to be like, Hey, what do you need, Ron? Great. I'll go grab it. But it's like, no, this is this, 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 and this right now, boom, 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 you know? And, and so it is very, uh, NASCAR high energy esque and, and it's really cool. And, and I'm just grateful that I have so many people that, that love to do it and are great at doing it to help me out. Yeah. From, from just watching, you know, it's so frenetic at times. Um, but then there's the other, there, there's the other side of it too, Adam, like the mental side of the races that do allow pacers, you know, when you can have people, you know, break the race up with you and run, you know, sections of the course, et cetera. Um, man, you gotta be like, you know, shrink out there at times. I mean, it's, it's all sorts of stuff because everyone hits a point somewhere in those races, whether it's physical, like an old injury is rebirthed, um, whether it's physical, you know, pain that's manifesting itself, blisters, you know, <laughs> who knows, stress fractures. I mean, Goggins is, you know, famous for duct tape. I mean, you know, yep. like everyone, every, everyone has hit some sort of physical, you know, ma you know, major ailments that are going on out there, but other times it's way deeper. It's emotional, it's psychological, or it's fuel and food and throwing up and not being able to keep things down. So what are some things that have happened with you and, you know, how has your crew helped you you know, maybe get to the other side of some of those things, or have you guys learned in some of those situations to, to apply it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely, I, you know, you listed all the various types of pain that can, that can rise to the surface. I think a lot of them are interconnected. You know, sometimes if you're fueling incorrectly or, or just getting behind on fuel, then that can lead to some physical pain or emotional things can kind of bubble to the surface. I think it's all kind of tied together, which is really interesting. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's another, a big thing for me about wanting to, that's another thing when I have pacers, um, I only ever have someone pace me that I've run with or that I have run with before. And the reason for that is there's a comfort level there that 
I don't feel like there's no feeling of we have to do something a certain way. It's we know each other. We're friends. If we're going to be talking for a while, great. If we need silence, that's great. Um, you can ask questions or maybe not ask questions, you know, and, and there's no there's no kind of like um, trying to figure each other out sort of thing, because I think that takes a lot of mental energy. And, and so I like to have, you know, my pacers this year at Western States were my friends, Ben and Chris, who have paced me on, on other expeditions and races. And, and it's, it's very, they're, they're very, they're two very different people, but it's very natural. Our relationships are easy and they'll say, Hey, I think you should be doing this. Or um, I, you know, I think you need to, you need to eat some more. You need to do this. Um, do you want to talk right now? No. All right. We'll, we'll, you know, let this go for a while or, uh, Hey, can I tell you some jokes? You know, that kind of thing. And, and they just, they know how to navigate the, the, uh, the feelings of being unwell that, that ultimately are, are going to pop up during a race like that. So, um, part of it, I think is, is just the experience of having people that know you and know what buttons to push. Um, and then if they don't know what button to push, being okay, trying to push a button. And then if I'm like, it's a no go, they're like, all right, you know, and there's no hard feelings. It's not, uh, you know, they don't, they don't feel like no one feels like they're stepping on any toes. And so, um, those, yeah, those guys just know, they know what drives me. Um, and they, they know how to pull the most out of me. And so, um, that's a big part. And the crew is the same way. They, they've been with me through the highs and the lows, you know, uh, my friend, uh, Josh and, and I, and my wife, Karen, they were both with me when I ran across the U S in 2016, that was probably physically. And it, it, as far as running stuff goes physically and emotionally, the lowest I've ever been. Um, and, uh, and they helped to, to pull me from the depths there just by, you know, figuring out a way to get me to put one foot in front of the other. And so that's a big part of it is just, you know, like, trying to find whatever motivation there is, even if it seems like there's none left and, and use it to keep, keep your person going. That's great. Cause it's something people wouldn't understand naturally. So you said you have to run with people you're comfortable with. And you know, that's just one of those things. If somehow you won a lottery and you got into Western States, you know, for advice from anybody out there, or got in any other big race, any other hundred miler, let's say, man, choose your pacers wisely. Um, you know, just because you might want to talk all the time when you're running in Central Park on your regular routes from 10 to 20 miles is one thing, but in a hundred miler, like everything can change. Like you may not want to speak to anyone. <laughs> Jesus could yep. pop up, you know, Kipchoge <laughs> might be on your shoulder out of nowhere. Hey, what's up Kipchoge? No, I don't want to talk to you right now, dude. I don't yeah. want to talk to anybody. My, my wife, no, I'm not going to talk to my son right now. Just, just right. maybe for a little bit. So they have to kind of read the room, they have to know, they know Adam, they know you, right. And you know them. So like when you're ready, you know, you can certainly kind of cue that by starting to talk again or, and the same thing goes, they're looking out for you on the food, food side. If you side. Maybe you need to get some stuff in because man, when you get behind, it's a, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah. Um, and we've all seen what sort of car wrecks can occur going back to NASCAR analogies, man. It's, it yeah. is not pretty when somebody's rolling along for 60 or 70 and then all of a sudden they're barely even moving, you know, for like another 10 miles and then they have, you know, still have 30 to go. So yeah, fueling is, is so important. And I'm sure it's, it's one of those things you probably still continually have to work at, right? Yeah, all the time. I tell people that in a hundred mile race, for example, there's going to be ups and downs no matter what. Like you said, you can have the greatest day of your life and you're going to have some some pretty low points. But if you take care of yourself and do the right things, you're going to come back from them. The exception is if you stop fueling, then you might dig yourself a hole you can't get out of, you know? And, uh, and, and it seems straightforward, but you know how it is. You get into a, an environment where 
your body is really stressed. You're deep, you're deep miles into something, you know, you've been running for hours and hours. Um, maybe the, the weather is, is not great either very cold or super warm, whatever the case. And in either of those instances, your body might be telling you, I don't really feel like eating. And so sometimes it's, it's a matter of just trying to force calories down and then sometimes they come back up, you know, it's, there's all these different things. And so you got to sort of work through the puzzle, but that's one of the things I love the most about it is that it's not straightforward. You know, you can, uh, you can have somebody who's just incredibly talented at the marathon distance and, and get away with some mistakes, I think, uh, or kind of disguise them if they just, you know, run through it. And, uh, and maybe if they had gone a few more hours, those mistakes would have been exposed. And, and so when you're going many, many more hours, like in a hundred mile race, those mistakes get exacerbated pretty quickly. So you got to stay on top of that stuff. Yeah. And again, it goes back to your crew, like how important they are. So, and knowing solids, broth, whatever, because some days you're not going to be able to get the same things down that other days you could. And you said that so well, because as you shift from the crazy hot temperatures, you know, in the canyons, and then the temperature drops so much and it gets so cold. I mean, that for me, somebody like me, that would be the thing that would scare me the most. Like I, you know, he, I, you know, I'm not going to run great. I mean, it's a hundred miles. How fast am I going to run anyway? But you know, like I'm, I'm, I'll sweat, I'll do what I'll do. I'll make sure I'm getting enough salt and other things in, but then the temperature's dropping back. The other thing that scares the hell out of me, man. Like, I don't know how many layers do I need to put on? And then am I going to be okay when the weather gets warm again? And cause you're, I mean, you're going through all of these things, man. It's like life. I had Steph Liffin on, man. She said it fast. It's like life in a day, man. It's life in a day. That's what it is. And it, but except it's, it's crazy. The amount of things you are, you're, it's problem solving. And it's all of these things coming at you when you are so exposed, man, you're just out there, you know, just trying to keep moving right at any pace possible. And you're so exposed. So man, like how the hell, what do you tap into when you're that bear, man? And you, you can't add two plus two. Great question. First of all, I got to backtrack just a tiny bit because uh, I just wrote a blog post for one of my sponsors out here, Tahoe Mountain Realty. And in the blog post, I talked about how some people refer to races like that as life in a day. And I explained why I agreed with that. So it's hilarious that you brought that up right now, Ron. But, you know, I, for me, it's, it's go, I, I like to go into these sort of events with tangible motivations outside of just what I'm doing and wanting to accomplish for myself on that day. And a lot of times it's, it's other people in my life that are, that are going through something difficult, you know, um, sometimes it's ha- having lost a loved one, some, you know, somebody has cancer, uh, really things that put into perspective, the fact that you're doing something, you're doing something really hard running hundred miles, but you're choosing to do that and something you want to do. Right. So it's, it's helping you recognize yeah, I, I, this might be some of the most pain I've ever felt, but I'm here because I want to be and, and trying to accomplish something awesome. Not, you know, I'm in the situation that I can't control that's life or death, you know, outside of that. So I, I like to use those sort of tangible motivators to, to keep me fueled and, and inspired while I'm running. And I think for me, I have to go in with them because I can't conjure those things up when I'm out there in the middle, like you said, and you can't add two plus two. So I, I go in thinking I'm running this race for this person, this person, this person. And then when I'm out there, I think of them, they inspire and motivate me and keep me going. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I've, I've mentioned this to some people before, but a handful of years ago is back in 2016, actually one of my best friends, uh, that I grew up with, he passed away from brain cancer. His name's Mark. And, uh, 
I still, to this day, I still wear a wristband. We made these wristbands when, when he was uh, alive and battling cancer and we were doing all this fundraising and I still wear this wristband. And in certain situations uh, in my life, I'll look down at the wristband and I just, I think about him. I think about that, you know, years ago and it still motivates me now. I know it was like six years ago that all that happened, but it like, it, it's still, I still feel it, you know? And, uh, and so I just, I like to, to use those sort of things because it, I feel like it brings out the best in me. And, and when I think, you know, I remember, uh, when I was in 2016, I was on a discovery channel reality show called the wheel and the, the show ended up going 60 days. It was a survival show. I remember like three weeks in, I was thinking to myself, there is no, like, I, I cannot fathom doing 40 more days of this. This is the hardest three weeks of my life by a long shot, you know? And that was after I ran across the US. I thought that was the hardest thing I'd ever do. This was a million times harder. And I remember looking down at this wristband and I was like, you know what? I can I can stay out here for another hour, it, probably another day. Let's get through that and then we'll make the next decision. And I just kept doing that. And then the next thing I knew I was 60 days in, you know? And, and when you, I think like when it comes to a hundred mile race, I, I like to do the same thing. You can, if you're at mile 20, thinking, how am I going to get to the finish line? That's not a good headspace to be in. You got to be at mile 20 thinking I can get to mile 21. No problem. Let's do this. And then you get to mile 22. And then the next thing you know, you're at 99 and hundred. And, and it's just like, it's a, it's an analogy for life, just taking things day by day, but having your eyes on the prize and on the, those, those big goals that you have. Um, but for me, I just, I always have to, to take the, that motivation and have, have it help me in the moment and take things one step at a time. That's great. Great uh, examples you shared there. I mean, you're just, you're adding such depth and per purpose, you know, to your actual runs um, and life in general. I'm sure you don't just look down to that wristband, you know, when you're in a tough spot in a hundred mile race, it could be any point in your life, you know, where you and the missus or the family might be struggling or going through a tough spot or somebody is sick or ill that you guys care or love and you think about them. So, um, in, and yes, uh, Ryan Hall, you know, may not have been an ultra runner, but it's like run the mile you're in. Yeah. Like we, the minute we get ahead of ourselves at any point, that's when we take our eye off the ball. We're baseball guys, man. It's like yeah, the game within right. the game. Like, you know, what's, what's the pitch coming? I'm in center field, getting the signal from the shortstop and I know which way I'm cheating. Am I going left or right? And is he behind on the fastball? Is he ahead? Like we're, we're just looking for signs visually to guide us so that we can be the best that we can be. And in running, particularly the kind of running that you all are doing, which is just mind blowing to, to most of the people that are listening to my show to be able to run hundred miles in 17 hours and 28 minutes in those conditions and that heat, then the temperatures change with the ups, with the downs, crossing rivers, you know, it's just, it's madness. It's unbelievable. It's incredibly just challenging on every possible level. Um, but what I loved about your, a couple of your posts that I saw is, is how much gratitude you shared for your team, you know, how much you talked about how it is a team sport and that you couldn't do it because there is no Jim Wamsley without his crew. Um, there is no Courtney DeWalter without her team. There is no great ultra runner. There is no Adam without his team. Like you, you can't 100%. be your best without your pacers, without your wife, without the people in there changing your shoes or your socks or what, whatever it is, man, or just telling you, man, hey, dude, fucking pick it up. Let's go, man. Get your ass out of the <laughs> yeah. gutter, man. I don't want to hear yeah. it, man. Put the violin away. Let's go. Like we need yeah. people that can give us the tough love too, because, you know, man, I mean, out there, you know, the highs and lows. I mean, did you hit any really like rock solid low points this year in this race? 
And if so, like, what did you, what did you do to help, you know, get yourself back out onto the other side? Yeah. My, my buddy, Josh is the, he's the tough love guy on, on our crew. He's the one that I'll, I'll be talking about the, the things that aren't going right. And he's like, you're doing good, man. Everything's good. Let's go get out of here. Get, we'll see you at the next aid station. You know, it's like, he's ignoring everything I'm saying and just getting me going. We intentionally set it up that way. So my wife was never the one that had to deliver that kind of information. Cause it's, it's always good to, to have, have her be in more of a loving role, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I honestly, this year, Things went pretty smooth for the most part. My my biggest low point by far, and, and I don't know if this was just a collection of the energy that that you feel at the so the hundred k mark of Western States Forest Hill. I mentioned it earlier. It's one of the best spots, if not the best spot, maybe then other the start of the finish line on the course to spectate because you're basically you have about a, a mile, maybe even more than that, where you're running down this actual road and there's crews and spectators everywhere, thousands of people. It's the most I always tell people it's the closest thing to uh, a road marathon atmosphere that I've ever experienced in an ultra, this stretch of the Western States course. And so I came through there. I was feeling great. I was starting to, to catch some of the people ahead of me. Things were really clicking and I was feeling the energy. There's actually some videos of me running down the street, like throwing my hands in the air, getting people to cheer louder, you know, and, and it was awesome. And then right after that, um, then you pop onto this section that's called Cal Street. You actually turn on California Street, which is a street. Then you pop on a single track and they, they refer to that section all the way down to the river. It's basically 16, 17 miles from Forest Hill down to the American River that you go across. And that section, the whole thing is referred to as Cal Street. And so going down Cal Street, I think I had all this energy from Forest Hill. It started to wane a little bit. I was with my pacer, Ben, which definitely helped. But the some of the energy and excitement started to wane a little bit. And then you actually, so that the Western States course is known for the heat, obviously. And there's a section called the canyons, which is basically before you get to Forest Hill and it's very hot back there. But I think honestly, an underrated part of the course that gets maybe even hotter is Cal street. And so, especially if you're running it in the, in the middle of the afternoon, like I was. And so I came through Forest Hill and then, so like the energy kind of comes down a little bit, it's unbelievably hot. And that was, that section was definitely uh, my, my lowest point of the day. And so Ben was with me. He was just trying to like, he noticed that I think he noticed I was starting to get a little bit like feeling the heat, starting to feel like, like things weren't going the way I, I wanted to at that point. And he was, he just kept reinforcing. He's like, dude, you're moving well. Things are going good. Just get down to the river. You'll dunk in that river. You'll feel so good afterwards. And then you'll be rejuvenated from there. And that's what happened. The last 20 miles went a lot better than those 16, 17 miles. So, so that was definitely the lowest point. And it was just about reminding yourself that everybody else is going through this too. Um, you just gotta, you gotta, you know, stay on top of things and not get behind on all the fueling and the things that, that are going to make the the last 20 miles go well. That's, that's a great example. And luckily you do get to dunk off and get cool in the water and hold on to that oh, rope, man. man. That don't, don't end up yeah. downstream somewhere, man. That would be me, man. I'd be like trying to get a cool selfie or get a good shot with a photographer. <laughs> they'd be, they'd yeah. be able to come rescue me like downstream somewhere, man. It'd be the last anybody ever saw <laughs> or heard of me. But yeah, that's got to be such a cool point in the race, man, when you're crossing there. And then how far do you have from there once you, once you get across to the other side? You've got a little over 20 miles. So it's basically a mile and a half climb up to the next aid station, which is called Green Gate. And then from Green Gate to the finish is 20. So, uh, and then that climb too is, is pretty exposed and pretty hot. So you get a nice cool off. And then 
you know, five minutes later, you're totally dry. You're like, man, I was just soaking in water five minutes ago, you know? Uh, and then you get up to the A station and then the, the rest of the course is pretty, uh, pretty runnable and pretty nice from there. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's such an iconic spot on the course, the American river. And, and I always tell people in years where the, the snow levels during the winter are a lot higher, they'll actually cross people. You'll cross the river in a boat or in little like rafts. Um, but the water was lower this year and, and it was no problem. So they had people walk across. So both of the years that I've done it have been on foot. And I think that's the way to do it. It's the, it's the more iconic way, you know? Oh, no doubt, man. I would, I would feel like I got cheated if they took me across in a boat, man. You yes. can't do this to me, man. Totally. Me, I need totally. to hang on to that rope and do it, do it like everybody else has done it, man. And what about high, what about highest point in the race? What's the highest moment, most memorable moment? Yeah. You know, I think it was probably Forest Hill. The, the thing that's so cool about that is that it's it, to me, it feels like a homecoming or like a reunion. Um, it, it's you coming, coming into that section. Like, even if you're hours different from another runner that, you know, in the race, most of the crews are there at the same time. And so you come through and you see so many people that, you know, in the running community. I mean, I, I ran down that street and I bet I saw at least a hundred people that, that are good friends, you know, uh, that weren't on my crew that were just there for somebody else or spectating or whatever. And, and that's really special. And then, and then, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'll, I don't know if I'll ever get a finish line photo as cool or as, as memorable and special as, as the one of me and Kaya crossing the finish line together. So that, that's something I'll never forget. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that so many people caught, I had two or three people send me videos of that. Um, and then I had some, some pretty iconic photos too. And, and, you know, I've, I've, it's always great to, to run a race and have a really cool photo, but those were just, they, they hit different, you know, for obvious reasons. And, and that was, that was really special. I'll always, I'll always cherish that. And it's going to be really cool when Kaya grows up to, to be like, Hey, you don't remember this, but this is pretty special for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think about what a moment that's going to be, you know, she's not even a year old yet. Um, and coming back to the race with you and, and your wife and your family and all that as she grows up, I mean, that's what that community is about you know, people that have two or three young kids that are out there on that track, getting to watch their moms or dads finish, or maybe moms and dads finish. Maybe it's both of them finishing and other people are watching them during the day, you know, sister-in-law, brother-in-laws, whomever it might be. But man, it's the very definition of community. So you got those moments on video and incredible photos. I think it's almost a hundred percent lock what the episode graphic for this one is going to be. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's going to be you and your daughter. I'm pretty awesome. positive, but uh, we'll see. We'll give you a little creative say in that too but yeah if that, Ron, that's I got, I, yeah go ahead uh, sorry no sorry to interject i just this was so funny i want to share it a friend of mine was watching the live stream when i finished and she sent me a screenshot of some of the comments that people were making and somebody wrote a prophecy was fulfilled today the baby who crossed the finish line in her dad's arms returns years later and wins the race herself and I was like, that is so funny, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. We got to we gotta look out to the future, right? I mean, come yeah, on. 15-year prediction, 20-year prediction. Here it is, man. Future yep, race yep. winner, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the moments, those moments captured, um, you know, and the energy and the vibe. Uh, similar to um, the closest I can give it to, because it's local to me, is New York City. You know, um, you know, Peter Chacha, the former race director who I know very well, started a tradition where he just reached out to the running clubs. I run for one of the top clubs, Central Park Track Club, and there are many, many super competitive clubs in the tri-state area. And just reached out to us, just kind of asking, not putting the arm on like directly, but just saying, hey, 
if some of you all could kind of come out to the finish line to be there for the last racer, it'd really be a nice moment for them. And it's obviously a thing for the media. So there's always, you know, he would always make it clear, you know, that there was always that double reason behind it. But it became, a, in the beginning, it was just really small and didn't get a whole lot of notoriety. But now it's become a huge thing. And it's a beautiful thing. And similar to Western, I remember the last finisher that was the official finisher, but I think it was just as exciting for the people who came in after. Maybe that didn't get as much notoriety, but you know what it's like being out there. It doesn't matter. The celebration goes on whether it's an official finisher at Western or not. It's it's still the same love and juice that you're all bringing to them. And that, I mean, that's got to be pretty damn special, right? Yeah, totally. The time doesn't matter. That's the beauty of it, right? Everybody starts and ends at the same spot. So uh, it doesn't matter how long it took you. If you, you know, started the race and you cross the finish line, it's, it's just, it's amazing to share in that, that shared experience with all the other runners. And that's why golden hour, as they call it, the final hour of Western States. It's amazing this year. I don't know what the number was, but there was an unbelievable number of people that finished in that final hour. And, and I was out at the track and it's just, it's so inspiring to be out there and, and feel the energy and just know, you know, I, you know, I finished in 17 hours and 28 minutes, went back to an Airbnb, slept, showered, came back the next day. And these people have been out there all night. And I, I just have so much respect for that. And it, it like, it just, it's, it's an amazing thing just to think about like, what somebody went through to get that done. And, and it's so special to be around that. And, and you're, you're totally right. It's like, there's such a community feel to that. And again, I think the, the woman who finished, uh, you know, a couple minutes after the cutoff, it was electric watching everybody cheer as she was coming in and, and it was really special. And she had, she said, uh, you know, she, she was, she was talking about, her, her race afterwards. And it was just like, it was so cool to hear about what was motivating her. And, you know, she was battling cancer and all this stuff. And, and, uh, again, everybody's got a story to be told. And it's so cool when you can, when you can be a small play, a small part in that, or just witness it from the sideline, you know? Yeah. And again, um, community is the word. It just keeps coming back over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, not just in all of your crews, but those volunteer stations, I mean, People just don't get it. I mean, marathons, I'm not hating on marathons. I love marathons. It's in my blood, man. It's 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 one of the things that gets me out of the bed in the morning is, you know, I'm running Berlin, I'm running New York. Or what age group time can I run? Like, what can I keep going for? Because we all need motivation, man. So you need it. Everyone needs it. And, you know, you're looking for bigger things to pull on, you know, bigger themes to pull on when you're out there in your toughest points. And, you know, as an older runner, as someone else, maybe who has never done an ultra, you know, maybe watching a live stream of that race might be like, Hey, you know, I'm slow in the marathon and never really did anything for me. Maybe I need to try doing an ultra race because if they got out there on a course like a JFK 50 and saw these volunteers, you know, literally, you know, whipping up soup and mashed potatoes and bacon and all of these treats for us, not to mention all the candy, man. I'm a candy junkie. Yeah. Man. And there's like Starburst and jelly beans and, and ices. And it's like, what? You know, who needs marathons, man? I could just come out yeah. here and hang out, and, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I, I'm so, it's so drilled into me, you know, and I don't know for you when you step back into your marathon shoes, if it is for you as well, but you know, that's the one grace that I can give myself when I run an ultra. I don't care what pace I'm running if I'm doing a 50 miler. I don't care. I want to connect with those volunteers. I want to say thank you to every single person. I want to talk to all the other runners and I'll work with them. There might be points where I'll, 
get into it and really try to push a little bit here and there. But, you know, I'm not like you. You guys are out there racing, man. You are out there pushing literally, you know, the entire day over 100 miles, which is just mind boggling. But the thing that's so unique is you go through those stations, man, you talk to some of those people and you just see their faces and they're just, they're so happy. And they're out there giving up in a whole day. They're out there for an entire day, right? And think about what a, you know, what a commitment that takes for them, you know, to be out there and give that energy and to just to volunteer, to give back. Yeah, totally. I've always prided myself on, on doing my best to, to have as positive uh, interactions as I, as I can with everybody. I've had a lot of people will joke with me at, at races, you know, I'll come through an aid station 60 miles in and the volunteers are like, you are the only person that we've seen smiling coming through here, you know? And, and I, I take, I take that as a huge point of pride because I'm like, I, you guys are sacrificing your day and your time to be out here to, to support us and, and give us what we need. And I'm not going to let how I'm feeling right now impact having a great interaction with you. Even if, you know, I only see you for 10 seconds. Um, I, I want, I want to be the person that you tell your friends about where you're like, yeah, these people are miserable, but this one guy came through and he like, he was laughing and smiling. It was, it was crazy, you know, like, so I, I just, I always make sure to, I always remind myself of what a sacrifice all those people are, are making for me and the rest of the runners and, uh, and I have nothing but, but great interactions at those AA stations. Even if I'm suffering, man, I I'll go up to those volunteers and give them a fist bump and thank them for all their, all the hard work that they're putting in because it means a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, and just think about that carries over, you know, because they're going to tell, they're going to tell their friends about that. Hey, Adam came through, Adam shared some great energy and they're going to share that with their friends and they're going to give you a follow on Instagram or maybe on Strava or wherever they're following you, Facebook, your webpage. It doesn't matter. You know, just they're going to remember that interaction and, you know, they're going to spread that kind of information out there. And that's, that's really what it's all about because, you know, it doesn't take much to even at that moment when you're in pain or you're grimacing, you know, you can, you can suck it up going through that aid station for, for a little sure. bit, you know, and you, can, sure. you can grimace and bitch and, you know, curse under your breath, you know, as you're, as you're heading downhill <laughs> to the stream and the heat is baking on you, you know, you could bitch to your training partner who's out there with you the next section and you guys are alone in the woods, you know, anybody right. can do that. Right. I mean, just for a little bit, just to make them feel extra special or happy and, you know, I wish for all of you that you got a chance to run a race at like our pace, you know, and, you know, just totally chill, you know, just for the hell of it one day, you know, yeah, and I know uh, it's yeah. tough because you guys are sponsored and, you know, you, you have obligations and I mean, you know, you're trying to do well for the brands that you're involved with, you know, you're involved with Hoka and, you know, we got Rabbit on here. I had my girl yeah, eat, yeah. run and be Mary on. She's one of my favorites, man. She was, yes, a, she was a yes. great pot. I know you guys got to meet, um, Mary's and, awesome. uh, the founder of, uh, Running Rabbit ran the race, right? Didn't she? Or the co-founder? She she ran Monica. this year, right? She did. She did. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw her. I came back the next day and I saw her finish. She had a great race. She uh, she told me that she thought Western States might be her final 100 uh, just because, you know, it's grueling training for a 100-mile race, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Who knows? If she gets into Western States again, she might she might give it another go. But yeah, uh, it's it, it's, again, it's like, I, I, one of my favorite things is when I have, you know, there's Monica, I had a bunch of friends, uh, my friends, Jeff and Alex were running the race. 
you know, several other friends and it's, it's so much fun to check in on this, you know, so uh, you'll, you'll come to an aid station and I'll see, you know, maybe I'll see Mary. I'll be like, Mary, how's Monica doing? You know, like, or I'll see uh, Jeff or uh, Alex's crew and ask them. And, um, and it's just, it's like, it's really special to, even if you're not running with somebody, be checking in on them and know that like, you're all running together in solidarity. And again, community, it keeps coming back to community, man. Yeah. It's great because I mean, look, you have Hoka, you have, you have rabbit, you have buff, um, you know, and you know, Coro. So you got your sponsors. So each of them, you know, they're out there as well. You know, there are different representatives, different marketing people, different athletes, maybe who aren't racing or maybe you're injured or they're helping and they're crewing. So, you know, you're getting to see all these different groups at different points along the course. And yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, the collective energy is just, it's so awesome. And we got to bottle it up and you know, that, that's the beauty of these streams now, you know, being out there in the universe that you can watch it again on like YouTube and, and, you know, feed off of it, you know, when you're in a rut in training, or maybe you're coming back from an injury and you're feeling like shit and feeling sorry for yourself. We all go through it, man. Everybody at some point is on the DL. <laughs> Everybody's on the DL yeah. at some point. Everybody's yeah. off the main roster and we're trying to figure out how to, how to get back in the rotation, man, and get back up and play again or get ready for the next race. So, um, you know, God bless, uh, you know, that it went so well, you know, and you were faster this time around. I think you were 1736, your first go, right? 1728, if I got my times yeah. right, um, yeah. which is amazing, you know, for your first two opportunities in there. And obviously each time you're running it, as Jim did, you're learning more and more about it. And you're thinking about how you're going to like run the sections different. So, are you stoked to, to get a chance to take another crack at it? Or are you just excited to just maybe move? I mean, obviously you've done so many other huge things, you know, with FKTs and whatnot, which we'll talk a little bit about as well. Um, yep. but are you going to focus on Western States more and trying to go lower, go faster? Or are you going to put your focus on like UTMBs of the world or other races? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. You know, if I, if I get the opportunity one way or another, whether it's through the lottery, a golden ticket, something else, if I, if I get back into Western States, I absolutely, I just, there's, I mean, it's in my backyard. It's, you know, like you said, one of the two most competitive ultras in the world. And there's just so much history there. And I, yeah, I just, I love it, man. So, so yeah, I'll keep coming back every opportunity I get, but at the same time, I do have other, other goals that, that are, uh, that I want to prioritize too, because, you know, Western States is in June. It's kind of in the middle of the year. So it's uh, for obvious reasons, it's the, it, you know, it's the a race of the year. Um, and when I, you know, when I go to do UTMB and some of these other races, I, I want those to be the a race of the year. And I think some people can do them both and make it work. Um, I, I definitely like, especially from a mental headspace, I need to have enough of a break, you know, like Western States, takes enough out of you that I don't think I'd be able to perform the way I'd want to at UTMB if I did both. So, so yeah, I, I have other goals that are going to, that are going to take center stage, but I also am ready to go back to West States whenever I get the chance. Yeah. I mean, that that's makes all the sense in the world. It is in your backyard. It's, it's, it's your home. I mean, you're, you're literally right there. You, I would say most races we do a warm up and the cool down, there's no warm up and cool down. <laughs> <laughs> We're rocking a hundred miler, but you know, maybe you do. I don't know. I, I know right. I, I don't, you know, for a marathon, maybe I might run a mile and do some strides, but you know, for a hundred miler, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing any warm up. but you know, who knows? You know, it's you know, funny. What's funny about you saying that is the, uh, in 2018, when I ran Western States, I did, I did a warm up before the race. And then this, this year I was like, you know what you start for those that don't know, the race starts with a three and a half mile climb to the top of Palisades Tahoe, which is a ski resort. You literally 
run up the 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 resort it's like fire roads but in the winter there the runs the ski runs you run up that all the way to the top it's like 25 25 or 2600 foot climb in three and a half miles so this year i i thought about it i was like you know what that's a good that's a good warm-up to to get the body going i don't think i didn't do anything before that (laughs) i mean good lord man you want to talk about going straight up to start something man it's like it's like going to the top of the black diamond ski run man like holy shit you know but those pictures again going back to iconic photos it's crazy the sun is coming up everybody's getting to the top they're all there shooting these these pictures. I mean, you pay like a million dollars to get a photograph <laughs> like that. It's bananas. I mean, the sunlight's coming over your shoulder and everybody's got their cool outfits on with their sponsor labels. And it's just, it's amazing. And without a doubt, you know, I'm totally talking myself into going out there for sure. I got to go out there next year you and just do something, man. Even if I'm not crewing or doing anything like that, just go out on the course and run around like an idiot, take a bunch of photos, yeah. man, and be yeah. and be part of it. Cause that's, that's what it is, man. You know, be part of that experience. Yeah, totally. It's, I think that's why it was really exciting for me to, to hear and see that so many people were following along both on the live stream. And then locally there, I had some friends that that decided to come and just check it out, even though they're not runners and hearing the feedback from them was so cool. They were like, wow, that was wild. I had no idea what the, like what the scope of this was and and what it was like for your community. And, and it's just special sharing that with people both within and, and outside of the community. And so whether you're, whether you're pacing, volunteering, spectating, all of those are, are equally fulfilling and, and awesome to be a part of. So you gotta get out here, Ron. You'll love it, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just such such beautiful country, man, for sure. You can mark me down for next year or somewhere. I'll be sleeping awesome. on the course. I'll sleep in somewhere on the course. Hopefully, <laughs> won't, get, won't get eaten by a wild animal or something. <laughs> we'll we'll see. So, man, we gotta we gotta talk about some of your other epic stuff because uh, you know, Western aside, and you know, two great performances there, and being part of all that is is huge. But I mean, you know, you got your FKT. Anytime you're in the same sentence as breaking something Killian Jornet has done, it doesn't happen very often, as we know in the sport. You know, breaking Killian Jornet's FKT record, that's pretty, you know, as far as insanity goes, that might have to be at the very top. <laughs> and that's in your backyard again. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about that, your run across America, or your Gobi, you know, stage trail race that you won. But any of those three are like huge, huge things, huge accomplishments on your running resume. So we definitely got to get into at least one or two of those. So you pick what you what you want to talk about. Okay. Yeah. You know, I the Tahoe Rim Trail is a very special place in my heart. So when I first set out to break Killian's record on the TRT, which is a 172-mile trail that circumnavigates Lake Tahoe, it's something like 28,000 feet of elevation gain for the 172 miles. So Mount Everest. It's exactly, exactly. Everest. feet. Yeah. <laughs> Even I remember that from geography, 28,000 feet. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Good Lord almighty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's, and it's some of the most beautiful trail running you'll ever see, you know, cause uh, not all of it, but a lot of it has great views of the lake. Other sections are equally beautiful. There, there's a section called desolation wilderness on the uh, West side of the lake that the Tahoe Rim Trail syncs up with the Pacific Crest Trail and they run together for about 50K and it's it's at like some of the most beautiful uh, terrain you'll ever run through. But yeah, I set out to break the, the record in 2019 and had some kind of key mistakes that I made. There was one point where the crew was supposed, supposed to meet me. We botched that. I missed them. Then I was without fuel and water for a few hours which I ended up working my way through. I thought I was going to be okay. And then like two hours after that, the bonk hit and it was one of the worst bonks I've ever had in my life. 
And that really set me back a long way. So, so I finished in 2019, I finished in, so Killian's record was 38 hours and 30 minutes. And I finished in, or 38 hours and 32 minutes. And I finished uh, in 45 and change hours the first time I did it. And I know that's a huge difference, you know, um, seven, almost eight hours, but I, I crossed the finish line and all I could think was I have to do this again. You know, I, I made, I made some mistakes and I think if I don't make those mistakes next time, I'll at least give myself a shot. Maybe I break it. Maybe I don't, but it'll be somewhat close, I think. And so I, I hadn't, I didn't know when I was going to do it again. I figured in a couple of years, maybe. And then I was signed up for some races in 2020. Obviously uh, most of those got canceled. And so my schedule opened wide up. And, uh, and I said, you know what, let's go after the, the TRT FKT again. So I had my same crew. They came back out, uh, less than a year later. It was in, I, I first attempted it in October of 2019 and then July of 2020. So in July, I uh, went back out there and tried to correct all the mistakes I made the first time, did a pretty good job of it. Still had some seriously low points, but I got to mile 120 of 172. And when I got there, I saw the crew, the sun had just come back up uh, on day two and I it, like, everything just felt like it was starting to click. Like I, I had kind of struggled through the night. It was, you know, it's, it's tough when you go from having a bunch of people around, there's other people on the trail that aren't involved. You just, you're passing, uh, you know, other, just, just all kinds of people that are, that are out there. And then all of a sudden it's pitch black there's nobody around, you know, you're in, you're in your head for hours and hours. And it, the, the vibe changes. So the, the nighttime was really tough. And then the sun came back up. I saw the crew again. I felt like I was a totally different person and I was a little bit behind Killian's record at the time. And then in that next 50 K section, which was that desolation wilderness section, I, I mentioned, I just turned it on and I put a ton of time into his record. And then I got to the last crew stop 15 miles from the finish. And I was like an hour and a half ahead of the record. So I knew that I could basically cruise it in those last 15 miles. And, and so I finished in 37 hours and 12 minutes and took an hour 20 off of Killian's, uh, Killian's record. And it just, again, it just taught me, you know, one, the power of the team. I, I think one, one of the reasons I, I love FKTs in general, I think self-supported or unsupported FKTs are amazing. And I think supported FKTs are amazing. The reason the supported ones tend to be, I, I've done some of both, but the reason the supported ones are the ones that really appeal to me are that then you get to involve all your friends that, that want to help. And it's just like a, this massive team effort. And, you know, I had like seven or eight pacers in that 170 plus miles. I had my crew, I had people that were meeting me at some remote areas on the course, just bringing water and ice. And, and again, it's like you finish the race and then you're, or the, the run and you're reflecting on all the people that were a part of it. And it's like, wow. And, and you're just, I was just filled with so much gratitude. So it that one was super special to me and my home, my home trail that I trained on and, and everybody around here was like, yes, you brought the record back to the locals. So, um, you know, everybody loves Killian, but it's cool when somebody that lives in Tahoe can hold a record like that. So that one was really special. It's hugely meaningful. Um, you're local. Um, it's your spot. Um, and you know, obviously Lake Tahoe is enormous, so it's, it's not <laughs> like some small lake. It's, it's fucking enormous, but, um, to have somebody local from the community, um, break that record. I don't care who, who it was. It's, it's a hundred times more meaningful when you're breaking anything Killian Journey's ever done, because look, face it, 
I don't know how anybody could be thought of as more at the top of the sport than he is because what he's done in the sport is it's just mind boggling what he's done and what he continue what he's continuing to do. Um, and just a remarkable, remarkable athlete, but you know, so many lessons learned in there. Um, you know, like a lot of people with the first swing with that first attempt and the things that went wrong, you know, would have just said, ah, fuck it. This isn't going to happen or I'm out of here. I'm not doing this thing again. You know, I just love the fact that, uh, the, the mantra of this show, the mantra of my podcast is stay in the fight. It's my mantra. Um, and it applies way outside of running. Just as you talked about before, looking down at that band on your wrist, it's just a point any point in your life, you know, when you're going through a tough spot, you know, you just think about it. It's very simple, man. I don't have to solve problems for the next three weeks. I just got to get through this really tough moment I'm facing right now. But, you know, there's your crew. You weren't synced up. You didn't have it right, you know, but you're not pushing the blame on them. You guys are a team. You know, that's what it's all about. Because in ultra, if your team isn't together and they don't want to help you, you don't stand a chance, man. <laughs> no. There is no chance on earth that you will, they will submarine you or they'll just be like, I don't want to help Adam anymore. Forget him. I'm yeah. not doing any FKTs with him. <laughs> so, you know, like you, you share the love and you accept the blame and that's super important. There's super important lessons to share with people. So thank you for that. And then coming yeah. back there and, you know, running through the night, I just, I don't know how any of you all do that. That is the thing that just, I have the most amazement, wonder, and respect on because for one thing i don't live in the wilderness so i don't run in those kinds of trails anyway you know even putting a headlamp on for me is a foreign experience so like even you know if i was running in central park with a headlamp let alone running where you guys are where there's like wild animals off <laughs> and you're running all through the night um so i could just hear your voice how it changed you know as you were going through that to when the light was back up and you saw them again and you were re-energized and uh, God bless, man. I don't know. I just don't know how the hell you all do that and get through those moments because you are, there's no one. It's you inside of your head, inside of yourself and your own sounds of your feet hitting the ground. And I don't know, man, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, back to the the power of the team. When, you know, I had my friend, Mike, he's one of my closest friends. He was pacing me during that nighttime section. And uh, yeah, I was just, you know, it's like, I, I started thinking, wow, I'm not feeling good. I'm moving slow. I'm, I'm, I must be getting way behind on this record. And he's next to me saying, you're still looking good. You're moving, you're moving well, you know, saying all these things that's the opposite of what I'm thinking. And, and then you get through it. And in hindsight, it's like, wow, I, you know, it was important to have him there with me, you know? And so it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's so much, give, there's so much give and take in, in this community. And I just love it so much because it's, you know, you, ha you experience something like that and then you want to do that for somebody else. And so, you know, you got a friend that's running a race and they, they need help on the crew or they need a pacer. It's like, yeah, I'll be there. You know, I, I know what that meant to me and, and you just want to pay it forward. And it's just a whole bunch of awesome people wanting to pay it forward, creates some really great energy. Yeah. I love it. Darkest moment in the darkest part of the course running through the <laughs> night. Man. For me, it would be anytime the lights went out would be the darkest moment automatically. Oh, Whether I had a cool pace or like your boy there, like trying to lift you up. And I just love how whatever you're saying, they're just going the opposite. I just love yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, man, yeah. I feel like shit, I must be falling way behind. Nope, you're doing great, man. <laughs> yeah. You look great, man. You're, man, you are killing it out of it. <laughs> Everything is yeah. good. Like, it's just like, it's like an automatic translation to whatever you're saying. They're just going to go the other way way to try to lift lift you back up but exactly. i know i, I saw exactly. something too because we're both uh team koros man i think you had the 3d map somebody made you 
you know, up from the FKT, took the 3D map and made some cool laser 3D like thing of the FKT. That was yeah. absolutely insane. I mean, that, that was, was that was that was actually my buddy Josh. He he reached out to somebody who does woodworking stuff, and yeah, they they created that, and I was I was so stoked on that. It's amazing, man. Super cool. It's got the whole top topographical map map of the Tahoe Basin and the lake and everything. So awesome. Amazing. And again, it goes back to community, right? That's what, that's what good friends do. You know, they're, they're excited for what you did and what you accomplished and what your team and the crew did on the FKT. Um, yep. Amazing, amazing stuff. What else? I mean, you have many, many other things. Do you want to talk a little about running across the US or any other thing that's coming up? Because man, look, you've done some remarkable stuff in running. So, you know, I want to at least give you an opportunity to talk about one other big thing for sure, because it's already been a bunch of awesome stuff, but yeah. No, thanks, Ron. I appreciate that. I, you know, the to me, the the run across the U.S. still to this day has has taught me m- m- arguably more than any other running thing has taught me, uh, just about life and about pursuing goals and and also about the fact that sometimes the narrative that that you're seeking or that you think you're going after isn't always uh, the one that plays out. And, uh, you know, so, so when I ran across the U S I was trying to break the record at the time. And originally I was going to run from California to New York city. And so I started in Huntington beach and then I was going to make my way across and then cut up, uh, towards New York. And I, I pretty early on, like a weekend, maybe even less, I was having all sorts of, uh, injury issues. Body was not cooperating. Just, you know, I was covering 50 plus miles a day to start trying to then get over 60 miles a day. And my body was just not having it at the time. Um, I was in a much different physical place then than I am now. I, I had a lot of experience, but nowhere near the experience that I have now and the, the strength of running in the mountains, you know, at the time I was living in Illinois and anyway, so, uh, so really struggled and pretty early on knew that the record was going to be out of reach. So then it was a matter of, do we, do we even want to keep doing this? And I was in so much pain. I was thinking, no, I don't think I want to keep doing this. <laughs> and the crew was trying to convince me otherwise. At one point we had even talked about the possibility of turning it into like a relay where the team then tapped in and we were going to go back and forth all the way across. And that sounded great for a little bit, but then I, I forget it's, you know, it's been a while and I forget who it was, but someone on the crew was like, no, we came here for, for you to do this, Adam, and you've got to finish what you started. And so ultimately that's what we did. We made it all the way across, it took me 60 days, I averaged 45 miles a day. And the, to me, the beautiful thing was I, I thought it like in many ways, it seemed like a failure because I was trying to break this record and I made it from the West coast to the East coast on foot, you know? So to think of it as a failure is kind of crazy, but at the time it kind of felt that way. And then I finished and I started kind of following up on all the the social media stuff that had been happening that I wasn't, that my team was handling that I wasn't paying attention to while I was running. And there was just an overwhelming amount of support from so many people saying a lot of, like a lot of people were kind of expressing that the challenges that I was going through and that the team was going through, that we were working through and continuing to push forward was inspiring them to, you know, there was like someone that was, they had an injury that had been plaguing them and they wanted to give up and say, I'm not going to, I'm just done running. But then they saw that I wasn't giving up and the team wasn't giving up on me. And then that was inspiring them to want to keep going in their running journey and, and like tons of stories similar to that. And I just remember thinking this run was not about me breaking this record. This run was about connecting with a bunch of people and showing them that you can keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and get it done. And, uh, and that ended up being so much more powerful than if I had broken the record. And it's crazy because when I 
started it, it was so clearly black and white. It was like, I'm either doing this or I'm not, and it's going to be a success or it's not. And, and then in hindsight, I think it had nothing to do with that, you know? And, and it was just like a beautiful realization that you never know who's watching, who you're inspiring, what you're doing to somebody else. And just carrying that sense of pride and, and trying to follow through sometimes physically, you know, like my, my body could have gotten even worse. And then physically I couldn't have finished it potentially that that might've happened. Sometimes those things happen and that's okay. But in this case I could, I, you know, I, I had a lot of pain and things weren't feeling good, but I could keep going and I did. And I'm so glad that I did because now when I talk about this with, with people or when people say, Hey, I, you know, still to this day, sometimes someone will reach out to me uh, for coaching, for example, and they'll say, yeah, you know, like I know who you are because I followed you and ran across the U.S. And I'm like, that's it's wild that, you know, now I'm going to get to coach you because you followed me on this journey. And almost like I, I haven't had a single instance where somebody has said to me, oh, I saw that you uh, ran across the U.S., but you didn't break the record. No one ever talks about the record. It's you ran across the U.S. That's insane. And, and so it's, it's just funny because I, I there's so many opportunities both to work with people, to inspire people, do all these different things. There's been so many things that have come from this. And, and it's like, when I think about the fact that I almost gave it up and, and didn't finish the journey, it's like, wow, I, I would have no idea the doors that I would have closed by doing that. Uh, and, and so I'm just really grateful that the team kept pushing me and we got it done because that was a, a really, really uh, amazing journey. And, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, even though it didn't play, you know, play out the way I was hoping it would in the beginning. Dude, that's so powerful. Um, and you learned so much from it. Um, and you needed to be pushed at your most vulnerable moment because when we're only tied to an outcome and that of in every part of our lives, when the only thing we're tied to is the outcome, it's usually not going to go the way we want. It's just really not. We don't, we don't get to be Kipchoge. Um, most of us don't. Um, most of us are going to come up short when we put every single egg in a basket to a time or you know, it, we have to do X for it to be a success. And, you know, you learn like a crazy amount from that by just soldiering on, by putting one foot in front of the other, by forgetting about those expectations, change your route, less miles per day. Just keep going, man. Just keep going. And we never know who's watching us, man. We don't know if somebody's watching us on Strava. We have no idea who's watching us on Instagram, Facebook, or God knows where else. Or even if it's not from any of those places, they just hear about you from someone else who is watching you through those matters. Maybe they're not even on social media, but they heard about your story going across the country and doing this. Um, so yeah, that is... That's just an epic story. And, um, you know, to to continue to stay in the fight, man, it's the theme of our show. It's the best because, you know, you could have hung it up and you were going to view it as a failure. You you even did. You said so, you know, when you first started talking, you viewed it as a failure at first, you know, or you were thinking of yourself as failing and you weren't even done yet or you were going to turn it into a relay. I mean, it's amazing how all those forks in the road could have been different. And maybe if it was a relay, it would have been really cool. You know, not to say you wouldn't have learned something from that too, but continuing to go and just readjusting expectations and just getting it back to finish what you start, man. If you're going to start something, finish it. And you did, and you got a lot more people, you know, in your camp, knowing who you are, that are inspired by you. You know, you're a motivational speaker too. And you know, look, man, when the going gets tough, we're, when we're in those most vulnerable spots and we're not going to hit the sexy goal, it's very easy to just say, you know what, 
I'll try this again or or maybe I'll do it a different way the next time. But you know, God bless, man. You learn you learn so much from that experience. And I guarantee you you're connected with so many more people because you didn't break the record that day. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. And and yeah, it's uh it's just funny. It just it's it's a good reminder to me that, like you said, it, it's good to have these these big goals and tangible, I hope to run XYZ. But also understanding that if that if that happens, great. If it doesn't happen, there's still so much to be learned and so much to be taken away. And uh, and I think closing yourself off to the possibility of there there being other things that are kind of guiding you through a situation or or other stories that come out of it. I think just having an open mind and saying, yeah, I want to do this, but it might not play out this way, and there might be a reason why. And uh, and just being open to pursuing that, I think, is important. And that's that's a big takeaway that I that I've had from that, that run across the U S and then the other thing is, you know, like there, there's some there's sort of epic stories that I, that I will never forget from that, that never would have happened. One of them, uh, I've, I've told a few people this, uh, when I was running through Louisiana, I'm coming into this town. I honestly don't even remember the name of the town, but a small town in Louisiana and uh, I'm running, I was running into traffic. So, you know, it's like going into this town. So it's like 25 miles an hour and there's a, someone in a pickup truck and they're coming towards me and I can see they're starting to slow down. And they come to a stop and I'm looking and there's a guy inside and he rolls his window down. He smiles, does not say a single word to me, hands me a water bottle, rolls the window up and drives away. Didn't say a single thing. Just pulls up, smile, water bottle, have a great day, moves on. And I'll just, I'll like, I'll never forget that. I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. We never even exchanged words. And, uh, you know, just like little stories like that. It's like, there's, there's, there's parts of the country that I went through that I never, I never would have been to those places otherwise. And it was really, really cool. And I had some really amazing human moments in those places and that's stuff I'll never forget. So again, uh, in addition to, to the, the story being different than what I thought it was going to be, I got to interact with so many people that I wouldn't have otherwise. And, and that was really cool. Yeah. What a great human experience, uh, story to share because, you know, people do hear about this stuff when Terry Fox was running across Canada with cancer and all of the people that came out and, you know, you have Forrest Gump in the movies. I mean, it's like people, they do get behind these things, man. They want to get behind these things. There's just too many bad, negative things going on in the world. And we want positive things to get behind. We want to be inspired. At the end of the day, we all do. We want to think of the world going in a more positive direction. And look, what could be more positive than people overcoming difficult things day after day, to go from one end of the country to the other, from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic. I mean, <laughs> it's mind-boggling, man. It'd take you forever to yeah. drive across the country. And nowadays, trying to get a flight might take you longer, man. It might get canceled <laughs> eight times on you, man. So just just uh, amazing. And you know, somewhere in there, it has to be fueling your performances these days, you know, those learnings, those experiences, and then coming back at that FKT the second time, like all of this stuff's residual. It all builds over time. And you learn more about, you know, what you're really truly made of and how, you know, how far down, you know, can you go when you're in a tough spot and still rally and still, you know, continue to answer the bell and, and stay on your feet and, you know, keep going. So it's going to serve you well, you know, at all of, you know, your upcoming races, you know, whatever's next, um, that's going to be the next thing that you take a big swing at. Now, do you have something calendared, uh, you know, a new FKT of any kind or a, a next big race that you're really going to put huge focus on something that you're going to go after? 
Yeah. So later this year, I've got another hundred miler on the books. I'm going to run the uh, Puerto Vallarta by UTMB hundred miler in Mexico. Um, that's at the end of October. So that's my next race. And then, you, you know, I'm always scheming uh, what's next as far as FKTs and adventures. I honestly, I, I really love doing those for all the reasons that, that we've already talked about. It's just, I feel like it brings out the best in everybody when you, when you do stuff like that, you know, I, in 2017, and again, talking about the residual effects in 2017, myself and my, and my friend, Chris King, we uh, set the FKT for running across great, great Britain and summiting the three highest peaks in each of uh, Scotland, England, and Wales. And so, and, and on that one, I, my body felt amazing. I was strong the whole time and finished feeling great. And I feel like the run across the U S in many ways prepared me physically and mentally for that. It was a thousand miles instead of 2,500, but, um, still, you know, like you can't discount what something is going to do for you in the future. That's why I'm a big believer of keep going after the goals, man. If it, it doesn't work out, like you're going to prepare yourself for the next thing. So, so yeah, I, I'm still scheming on the FKT adventure side of things, but, uh, but I'll definitely do something big in the next couple of years. I, I always, I seem like I space it out every two or three years and then do something big. And it's a good chance to kind of like refresh and rejuvenate and then be really motivated to do it again. And again, like I said, I just, I, I, I love involving as many, you know, friends and family as possible in these kind of things. And, uh, so I'll be looking forward to to doing another one of those and and seeing what what record or what trail or whatever it is I can go after. Love it. Make sure you share it with me, man, so I can put it out there. Get you some, get you, you some more eyeballs and get uh, yeah, more more yeah. people on board, man. You need you need that support, man. You need people. We got to get yep. Team Kuros behind it, man. We got to get yeah, Lewis and the crew yeah. and the marketing team, and we're gonna get them to follow you around and film it, man. We gotta we gotta put, put that on the list of things to do for sure. Yes, um, we'll make it happen, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. We're we're uh, we're big fans of uh, Team Kuros. So on the coaching side, you know, obviously you you yourself you're coached as an athlete, right? But you're you're coaching also as well. So what do you you know? What are some big takeaways? You know from relationships. I mean, you know, you bit look, you were a team sport guy, you were a college baseball player. Now ultra, everything is about team. It's all about community. But what are some of your learnings, you know, either from being coached or, you know, coach coaching and, you know, giving back to your athletes, how you're trying to work with them to impact them to hit their goals? Yeah, one of the biggest things for me is recognizing that everybody's different. You know, I, I think it there's there's certain aspects of coaching that that apply to to everyone, but but you have to get to know somebody and what makes them tick and what motivates them and how they respond to to feedback and those kind of things to know how to get the most out of somebody. Somebody, you know, some people are like, tell me what to do, boom, 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 I'll do it. We'll make this happen. Some people want to have more of a conversation and understand things a little more. Um, some people just need to to know that that they're capable and and to have somebody in their corner saying, yeah, you can do it. You know, I believe in you. So you should believe in you. And uh, and really, again, it's about the the human element of it. I think, you know, some of the best coaches that I've had in, in my life have have understood that to get the most out of somebody, you have to really care about them and uh, and find out on a personal level what it is that motivates them and can make them the best at what they do. And uh, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the, you know, having my pacers and my crew, they know me. And so they know what makes me tick and they know what buttons to push. And in coaching, I think is a similar thing. It's, it's really fun for me as a, as a running coach, getting to know all my athletes because they're all so different. Um, they live in different areas of the country. They're different people. They respond to things differently. And, and that's what makes it fun. It's, it's, it's not, 
I do, you know, I coach 20 people and we do the same thing and everyone responds the same. It's everybody's a little bit different and, and, uh, that's what makes it like really interesting and really fun. And, and, and different people have different goals too. You know, some people just want more accountability if they're training and they, they want to have consistency and then they'll kind of figure out the goals as they go along. Other people, it's like, this is the goal. This is what I'm putting all my focus on. Let's get to that, you know? And, and, uh, so for me, it's just, it's, it's fun getting to know my athletes and, and figure out how we can collectively as a team bring out the best in them. And, uh, and it just starts with caring about them as human beings and, and wanting them to, to enjoy it. And then remembering that it's, it's all about fun. You know, I, one thing I, I tell my athletes sometimes is, yeah, like we have these big goals and, and we're going to do everything we can to make them happen, but we've got to have fun along the way. Cause if we're not doing that, we're not doing it right. You know? And, uh, and so like, if this is becoming like a job and, and we're just like checking boxes, we need to reevaluate. So, so that to me is what it's all about getting to know people, helping make them better and having fun along the way. Love it. Um, we're big on community. We, a lot of this episode's been about community, talking about community. But um, what about community service? Um, I know it matters a lot to you. What are you doing personally, you know, in a way you're trying to connect and give back? Yeah, I just, I, I for me, the things that, that I'm most passionate about are, are the, the things that I'm utilizing on a daily basis. You know, the trails I run on, the, the running, my local running club, the Downer Party Mountain Runners. Um, and, and so I just like my focus, uh, I love to, to give to all kinds of great causes and participate whenever I can. But as far as locally speaking, I think it's, I think it's always great to help, help your, your neighbor next door, you know? And so, uh, for me, a big part of my community service is stuff related to the Tahoe Rim Trail Association. Um, we talked about how, you know, I broke the record on the Tahoe Rim Trail and I run on that trail all the time and they do all kinds of great work fundraising to, to do all sorts of things for the trail, um, to create programs for, for different types of people to build new trails. Um, last year we had some fire damage from, uh, the Caldor fire, which did, which wreaked havoc close to here and then damaged about 15, 20 miles to the trail. So they've been making efforts to rebuild, uh, the trails where the damage took place, those, those kind of things. So, so I love being a part of all that, um, getting involved in trail work is, is, is awesome. And especially when it's like, you can, uh, you know, like I remember one time I was with the TRTA and I was building these rock steps on a trail I run on all the time. And I was thinking, man, the next time I come through here, I'm going to think I built that. That's awesome. You know? And, uh, and it's just cool. It's like, it, it's, you know, I think, I think when there's trails or, or, uh, roads or whatever that you run on frequently, I think anytime you can do anything to, to support that is awesome. So, so that's what I'm all about. And then of course our local running community here is, is amazing. And, uh, our, our run club, helps volunteer at so many races and kind of like what I was saying before, it's like, I, I think it goes in phases for me at least where I have a big race that I'm training and preparing for. I run that race. And then for a little while until my next race comes, it's about service. So I want to go volunteer at a race. Uh, you know, I want to go help a friend, uh, that's, that's, that needs uh, crew or pace. So, so yeah, it's, it, I, I just love supporting those local groups that are, that are impacting the very things that I'm, um, the, the, the resources that I'm utilizing on a daily basis. I think that's, that's really important to connect, uh, in that, in that way. Well done. It's good stuff, Adam. Uh, we covered a lot of good stuff, man. Uh, it's been super fun getting to know you and chatting. And, uh, I know it's going to inspire a lot of folks on the run chats feed here to get out and get their sneakers into the trails, into the dirt, get, uh, get involved in, you know, doing something with an ultra, 
even if it isn't a race, maybe it's volunteer, you know, you know, maybe work crew, uh, maybe help pace somebody at a race. Um, or even if it's just watching that Western States feed and just seeing what went on on that day, because the energy is just so epic. But, um, before we roll out, do you have, uh, any message you want to leave for the run chats audience, something to share? Yeah. A couple of quick things. So one, I just want to point out that I'm an Illinois guy. That's where I was born and raised. And so I started by running road marathons. So if you're a road marathoner and you think you're never going to run ultras, everybody's got a different path, but you never know. You never know where your running journey is going to take you. Right. And then the other thing is I just were, we are all, I've learned this. I, I think if there's one message that I can, that I can give to people, it's that you're capable of so much more than you think you are. And, uh, I've had so many experiences in my life where, you know, I, I thought I could do X, Y, Z. And then, um, when you're under the the duress of the situation, you think you're going to fall apart, but you, you rise to the occasion. And some of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, when I look back on it, I thought to myself, how how did I pull that off? You know, how how was that even possible? And I think a lot of people just tend to sell themselves short, and they think, ah, you know, I can't do X, Y, Z. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a physical endeavor. It can be a career related thing. It can be something with your family. You know, but uh, we're all capable of so much more than we think. So don't sell yourself short. Set big goals. Go after them. Even if you don't hit them, you're going to be better off for the future. So yeah, get after it. Love it. What a great message and a great place to land it, man. It's been so fun getting to chat with you, Adam. Totally inspired by the convo for sure. Um, we'll make sure everybody's following you. What's your uh, Instagram handle so that everybody can give you a follow? Yeah, I'm at Adam Kimball 818 on Instagram. Love it. Definitely everybody give Adam a follow. We, uh, we close every episode. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. That was so much fun talking all things ultra with my man, Adam Kimball. He brings such positive energy to the sport and he's just a wonderful ambassador for running in general. Uh, you got to just love his positive uh, can do attitude and just loved, you know, diving in on all of the content that we got to in the show. And it's just so obvious how grateful he is for the people around him in his life that support his big endeavors, his crew, his wife, his beautiful daughter and dog, and the brands that sponsor his love of chasing down big adventures. Uh, and that's how we know each other through a Koros connection. And I certainly hope Koros is going to get involved and maybe follow Adam on maybe one of those next big adventures, film him, get him out there in the mountains doing something epic, hopefully breaking some new uh, and fun FKT. But real grateful for him coming on and jumping on and sharing the positive energy and vibes uh, with the Run Chats audience. I hope you all get many takeaways from this and are supercharged just uh, listening to all the positive energy in this episode. And if uh, you're really digging it and enjoying it and you can take a moment to hop on Apple Podcasts and write a quick review it really helps us get new listeners to the program and most importantly, helps me get great guests like Adam to come on and share their inspiring journeys. So thank you all who go that extra mile and take that extra step. And thank you all for listening and being part of our show and part of our journey. And as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door and always remember, stay in the fight. <laughs>